There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends, our weekly spin-off podcast. And sadly, listeners, this week we are beset with a technical issue. Don't worry, you're still going to get your episode what that means is there is about a four or five second delay. So dad hears me about five seconds after I've actually talked. Now, uh, thankfully, that isn't a common issue, but it means that during this episode, there might be some odd sort of, uh, you know, we might talk over each other without meaning to. But dad had messaged me in advance and told me he had a joke he wanted to tell all of you. So dad, would you like to kick things off? Yes, I would, Paul. Thank you very much for your, uh, for your kindness and um, for being brave enough to let me... Tell a joke. Yeah. So there was a psychiatrist working diligently, and one day one of his patients came into his rooms, and the patient had wrapped himself in cling wrap. Okay? Mm-hmm. The psychiatrist looked up and said, I can clearly see your nuts. <laughs> Fucking stupid. Stupid. It's brilliant. Stupid. It, is, it covers every base. Well, it yeah, but it lets the things that it covered kind of show through quite clearly. Well, that's the kind of tone we've established for today. Excellent. Welcome to Loose Ends, everybody. Uh, there's lots and lots and lots going on in the world, but today we are going to endeavor to distract you with all manner of frippery. Dad, just very, mm. very quickly, uh, Tegan has yep. informed me she has never seen the film Robocop, and I think that is a crime, but she's also, I don't think really ever seen any Paul Verhoeven films. Uh, obviously, when I was born, you weren't naming me after the director Paul Verhoeven, but what was it like having named me quite by mistake after a Dutch director whose films, as the years progressed, became more and more batshit insane? One of my favourite films, Paul, yep. is Starship Troopers. Ah, yes. And the shower scene is exceptional. Because everyone's in the nutty. That's just how showers should be. Can I just say, this time delay is making this exchange, this particular exchange, really dad. Because dad's saying things like, and everyone's in the nutty. And then he's diligently pausing for a full three seconds. Dad, you don't need to pause. I need to pause. Oh, okay. I don't, All right, we're cool. talking Sorry, about, mate. We, no, that's okay. It's, you're being very sweet, but we're also talking about dicks and I'm feeling weird. So, uh, yes, yeah, Starship Troopers... Decent flick, but Tegan's never seen RoboCop, and the reason I wanted to mention it is because RoboCop is about a police officer named Murphy, who mm. is uh, a police officer in Detroit, and he basically gets shot to death in a horrifying way. But unbeknownst to him at, at that time, the uh, the corporation that owns the police is also getting ready to build a like a like a robot 
human hybrid for law enforcement that they can control. And the mistake they make is putting Murphy's brain in there because Murphy's such a good guy. His mm. kind of moral core sort of offsets the the robot and you end up with RoboCop. And I was very curious as to what it was like for you being a police officer because the film came out when you were on the police force. Do you remember any kind mm. of general reaction to not just RoboCop, but to pol- uh, police being depicted in unconventional ways in cinema? Well, I have always enjoyed RoboCop. I like the the ability. I guess I would love to have had that ability to be able to sort of deal out, um, you know, moral, you know, moral sort of, um, sort of, uh, can I say, you know, doing the right thing as a police officer, but also having that, the ability to be able to withstand, um, you know, getting shot at, which meant I could have gone into a lot of really serious. He killed a lot of people, Dad. (laughs) That's not justice. I know that. (laughs) No, but, but, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I understand, but... It's like the Dirty Harry films, Paul. Quite often in life, one of the... I'm not going to say one of the roles of movies, but interestingly, there's a film that's just come out. Uh, it's sort of a revenge film, part three. Um, the Equalizer. I, the, I, I just love The Equalizer. So I think what movies enable us to do, of course, in this in these troubling times... It's a tool to escape, to go into a world that is seemingly unreal. But if you want to deliver summary justice to bad people, even though this is it's a paradox, because I have for the last five years been espousing the view that we need a fair and balanced judicial system, mm-hmm. but... I guess with Dirty Harry, for example, when he shoots that scumbag, uh, low-life asshole, one of the best portrayed bad people ever, the guy that employed the big dude to beat the shit out of him and then blame Inspector Harry Callahan. But the scene when Harry shoots him in the in the uh, the stadium and turns the lights on, then walks out into the middle of the ground and then stands on his already shot to pieces leg Mm. and the guy screams out and echoes it reverberates it's a very very intense scene and it has very strong and very visceral um sort of ramifications in terms of the viewer and i i don't think people can deny that watching sometimes scenes of sort of payback i guess because we know in our in our in our lives, even in our professions, for example, police officers, mm. police technically can't actually go out and just do what they, they want. Otherwise, there would be anarchy. And then you have things like the famous movie, The Star Chamber, where you get police within an organisation that feel as though their organisation is not dealing appropriately with the bad people. Then they take it upon themselves. But then, of course, so basically, you know, the the ultimate thought is you know when do you stop i mean yeah, yeah you can start off with good ideas but then you start coming up with other ideas about well okay this is a particular crime that we're going to just summar- summarily execute on site but then it just sort of you can see how it sort of it grows 
And then, of course, you introduce the human element, which is the the male and female, for example, police officer, um, and that they become a sort of unaccountable. And there lies one of the problems in war, where you know, if it's at night time in a jungle, and you're confronted with the situation, you may not follow the rules because you think, well, I'm not accountable. Look, it's just it's a Pandora's box. Yeah, the whole point I of, um, I think, the the Robocop and other films by Paul Verhoeven that are about law enforcement, or specifically, specifically Robocop and Starship Troopers, are basically parodies of how Americans see themselves via cinema. So Robocop is, it is, it is a high-octane American action film from the 80s, yes. But it is also making fun of those films and the inherent cruelty of a police state. It's a really interesting... And Starship Troopers is basically a war film made uh, by fascists. Like it, it, is a, it, is a, it is a fascist war film, which is parodying fascism. It's very interesting. And it was weird for me sort of trying to explain to Tegan that, no, no, it's not just about a robot with a gun on his leg, which I assume is something you would have liked, Dad. That would have been pretty cool. But it's not mm, just about... Yeah. It, it, is a, it is at once a film about law enforcement and it's a film about the problems with law enforcement and about the fact that, yeah, you shouldn't actually be able to just mow down people without, you know, it's, it's, it's a great movie though. It's a fantastic film and I am, I think I'm like a week away from tipping Tegan and getting her to watch it. Uh, the sequels are terrible, but Robocop's amazing. And the reason I mention it, Dad, is because they've just released a new, or they're, they're about to release a new Robocop video game called Rogue City. And Peter Weller has come back to voice Robocop as Murphy. And hmm. he has done an wow. incre- he's done a really great job. Um, I'm actually starting a new video game podcast next week with Angharad Yo from um, Good Game and Double J and a bunch of other places. And it's called Game for Anything and it comes out next Tuesday. The sa- it comes out the same uh, day as Loose Units, actually. So uh, we're going to be looking at video games on that show. So I will keep video game talk restricted to Game for Anything each week. But let me just shimmy very quickly back on the topic, Dad. You mentioned that you were sent a story by a listener which you found yes. deeply yeah. disturbing. Well, it is disturbing. And I'd like to um, give a shout-out to Lauren Murdoch. Um, she's happy for me to use her name. Celebrity chef, woman of many talents. She very, very kindly sent me a New York Times article. Now, she subscribes to New York, the New York Times. Mm-hmm. But apparently... She's allowed to gift a story, which is really kind of her. And she gifted me a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the true sort of the true fellowship of of loose units, it's a it's a it's a hideous story. And it's one that, because of all the news happening in the world at the moment, let's just say there are some things happening. And what happens, of course, we all know with the news, is that when there's a big story, all the other stories they're buried which is actually a bit of a Freudian slip because this particular story sent to us by Lauren is it's from the New York Times, so I, I think it's fair to say that it's it it has some, some gravitas in terms of its um you know, journalistic provenance. And it, it's about a hundred and fifteen. That's one one five decaying bodies found in horrific scene at a funeral home. It is a story now I'm looking at the photographs and it's it's just weird and I it, it's just seems why is it that these thing, things just seem to happen in in America 
it's just the weirdest thing. Now, this particular funeral home, funeral parlour, the the thing that they promised the people was a green a green funeral, green burial, that the the bodies, the uh, you know, the the remains of the loved ones would be um, ultimately turned into. Um, you know, go 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 back into the earth, but in a, in a positive way in terms of fertilizer. Oh, yeah. uh, but that just didn't seem to happen. And you know, there were there were neighbours, and they could smell this this horrendous odour when the wind changed. And they just thought it was a dead animal, which we know with previous stories. For example, Belangelo, and also the West Australian that great four parter we did with the. Um, the, you know, the murder of the, well, the great one about the, the person down the hole. Remember that one? How they, they they could smell. And sometimes police, when they go to a crime scene or people are going bushwalking, they might think, hang on, that's a dead animal. But is it a dead animal? It could be a human. In this case, it was 115 humans. And the police, they just based on some calls about a, a sort of a, a bit of a dodgy smell... They go into this particular house. Now, the police said it was so... Now, when police say very disturbing and horrific, but they declined to go into more detail because they don't want to sort of upset the families. Yeah. But based on my experience, they've gone into a uh, a mortuary. These bodies, they weren't even refrigerated. They were just lying around. And they were just... In advanced states of putrefaction, they visually can't identify them. So they then have to go into that the dreadful process. So can you imagine being a fingerprint technician? At the local morgue, they start receiving bodies and they're going to get 115 of them. And they're going to use all different techniques. But as we know with our, with our mirror story about the Blacktown Rapist, you know, if they're not on record, fingerprints are useless, aren't they? Mm, There are techniques that we can use. We can, as you know, with with the Kim Barry case, the headless woman in Wollongong, is what the police did, because she was not on record, is that they then went to the houses of all the missing girls on the south coast of us, basically the east coast of Australia, Mm. south of Sydney, and they just simply went to all the homes and then they go into all the bedrooms. They get all their personal effects, you know, their, their brushes, mirrors, combs, anything that they would touch regularly. They dust them. But it's a laborious process. Then you've also got DNA. But you need to have some idea as to who the person is. Because, Paul, um, a human body... And this is quite horrific, and we may have touched on this before, but once a human body starts to decompose, Mm. particularly if it's warm, it becomes impossible for loved ones to visually identify that member of their family. Mm -hmm. People people think... I mean, it's different with mummification, right? That that gangster that was mummified, um, he... I mean... He may have looked similar to... I mean, actually, that's not such a great thing to say, but because he looked pretty crook. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. 
Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But, um, sorry. It's okay. Oh, dear. It's so bad. Um, but the, the, the thing about this case is that I think the guy that ran the funeral home, I just, he kept taking bodies in, but never did anything with them. It's it's macabre, to put it mildly. What was his end game? So the what, was, now, what, what was the actual plan, no, he, do you think? Well, he wanted to, um, he was happy to take the money, of course, um, but he never really took it to the next step, which was his whole um, sort of catchphrase was to offer a green burial. So environmentally sensitive alternative, okay? Um, because a lot of people use embalming fluids and they have elaborate coffins and, you know, it's sort of... Um, actually, here's, this is something interesting. In 2021, Colorado became the mm. second state in America to legalise human composting, mm. which is not such a bad idea. I think this guy's... I don't know what he was thinking. Was he thinking that the bodies that all just sort of melt and fall off the bones become sort of some gelatinous, jelly, soupy mixture? Then he would have just would have dribbled all over the floor. He would have had to have gone in there with gumboots on. He would have been wading through this this detritus, and he would have just scooped everything up into a big barrel and taken it out and buried it. Of course, then he's got the bones to worry about. Um, yeah, 115 skeletons. I mean, what on earth do you do? You might be able to sort of hang a few up in your home um, if that's, you know, from a from an artistic aesthetic perspective. Oh, Jesus. Um, but it's pretty bad. And I, I actually, I feel very sorry for the police that had to go in there. Uh, it would have been indescribably mm. terrible and I mean I don't think the 
police should get over that. I Literally the only, one... the only thing I can think of yeah. that it's not positive, but the fact that he didn't he didn't kill them, right? It wasn't a it wasn't the scene of True, a, murder. Not a murder. It's a, it's a, it's a whole Correct. different crime, but obviously now yeah. somebody has to deal with that. Yes, and imagine okay. Imagine I mean, I'm just trying to figure out all the families what what they were expecting. Did yeah. he give them some sort of container or did he point them to a um a nice <clears throat> garden and say that your relatives are actually in that garden and they through the goodness of their decaying and decomposing body are providing nutrients to for example a cauliflower. If it was a cauliflower, I I wouldn't eat it. I would you eat from a garden, Paul? Like if there was a fruit and vegetable garden near you that basically just used human compost, would you um, partake? Here's the thing, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> the this the amount of the the amount of um, things that we accept at face value and don't really look at the cost of the process to make it. I mean, when you pick up your mm. iPhone and you if you if you saw the child whose fingers were whittled down to nubs in a factory in the middle of nowhere, you know, for basically slave labor, to who made your iPhone, mm. if you if you saw the face of the cow as the bolt went through its brain, if you like it, it's yes. if you saw the ocean of microplastic, it's there is a unless you are really careful and you fucking should be. It's 2023. There is a uh, there is a tidal wave of nightmares between the thing you have in your hands and the place. No, I agree with from. you, Paul. And I Paul. and what I'm what I'm saying is this is like a this is a really interesting thought exercise of going. Hey, if you could feed, for example, you know, Bill Gates has done that thing a couple of years back where um, they can take sewage water and uh, turn it into potable drinking water. And yes. it, it, yeah. it can, it can yeah. basically save millions of lives. And if you're going, oh. Actually, uh, this could save a lot of lives, solve a lot of problems, and kind of get over it. Now, obviously, yeah. the thought exercise gets a bit finicky when you go, um, my mum shouldn't become someone's cauliflower. There is a obvious, uh, you know, uptick in the stakes here. But this, I think the, the thought exercise is still worth having, is what I'm saying. I, I utterly concur. But listen, mm-hmm. I'll tell you one of the uh, things I'm, I find interesting. Now, mm-hmm. what my father had chickens and I would be in bed listening to every morning. I'd listen to a chicken pressing a a fresh warm (laughs) egg out of its cloaca. (laughs) And I could hear, I could hear that the chickens were having to put a lot of um, exertion. Mm. Um, An analogy I would say would be being incredibly constipated. I can't prove that scientifically. I have never laid an egg. But I found it distressing. It turned me off eggs for a long time. I couldn't look at an egg. But Paul, because you'd go and... It was my job. I'd have to go in and get the fucking stupid eggs. And they were covered in little feathers from around their their cloaca. (laughs) (laughs) The cloaca feather would stick to the egg. It was fucked. And they were warm. And, And it reminds me of once I was with my brother. We were on a fishing trip. Uh-huh. He bought some eggs. Mm. I said I'd make an emlet. An emlet. An emlet. Oh, Ooh. Losing. Oh, shit. Dad, can you uh, whip, whip us a... up a couple of emlets, please? Just uh, nice and warm from the egg hole, please. <laughs> but you can, see the, the, you can see how I got to that because it's a 
combination egg egg, egg omelet. omelet so it's omelet. an omelet egg. i think i this it could catch on anyway okay. i cracked this egg and you know what came out right into what? the middle but it was the it was the fifth egg so the first four were magnificent. This was going to be one of my signature omelettes, okay? Oh God, yeah. Of course, a whole fucking chicken dropped out of the egg. See? Because they have this technique they use. Well, they used to. It's uh, <laughs> an assembly line. And do you know how they can tell if the chickens is like if there's a chicken inside the egg? Which how? clearly they don't put into people's. They just use a light. It goes over a light and you can see the little thing inside. Like, wee! Sort of. <laughs> hey, you know how you said so that, that thing- Dad, you know how you said that experience ruined eggs for you? Congratulations, you have yeah. ruined eggs for me. Well done. No, but Paul, there's a point to this story, listeners and Paul. Please. That is that what I find, I mean, I, I get the chicken thing. If the chickens are out there just walking around, just, you know, scratching the earth, which is good, good for the earth, yeah. you know, shitting everywhere, and then you grow herbs and they grow. 20 times the speed. Um, the problem I have, and, I, and this is a paradox, and maybe you can help me out with this one, Paul, but what what is with looking after animals in a really beautiful way, then killing them? It's like, do you, do you, you, do you get what I'm saying? I mean, I, yeah. I guess the, the, the flip side of that is to treat them badly, then kill them. I, the end. Yeah, I would... So is I that would making, not, is that making mm, humans feel... Is that making us as a human sort of species that 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 consumes these living things? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it is it weird? I mean, I understand looking after things whilst they're alive, but yeah. knowing that you're going to kill them, but you can go, but they had a good time up until this point. I just find that an interesting concept. It's a valid question. It's an interesting predicament i mean i think if you're i okay i'm gonna try and get go vegetarian soon i've i was vegetarian Mm. for a long time i'm certainly gonna try and go back um but the only animals that we eat because tegan and i have a local market so the only animals that we eat are animals that are from specific places where they go like this animal is from this farm in gippsland and it literally it like we slaughtered it last week we're using every single part of it it was raised humanely it is a like carbon footprint wise there was it's you know i want it to be as close to the source as possible i want to eat as little mm. meat as possible and the meat i do eat i want to know where it came from and i want to know how it was treated and I'm, like that is actually a reasonable thing to want true um, true but the I, idea of chickens I, and eggs is interesting because you know i think chickens should be treated humanely i would not have a chicken lay eggs for me for years and then suddenly kill it and eat it i think if you're having an mm. egg that lays a chicken that lays eggs you should just let it keep doing that until it dies but, okay now paul do you, here's here's a question for the listeners. Yep. Do you know how to hypnotize a chicken? How? Well, I'm glad you asked. And you have to see this to believe it. Mm-hmm. It's so incredible. And anyone that listens on a farm, um, it'd be great if you can try this. Don't go to your local supermarket and get a frozen chicken because it won't work. So it has to be a living chicken. Okay. Okay. You get the chicken, you hold it, you hold its little head, which is in a in a nice, loving, caring, tender way. Oh boy! You you place the head down on the ground. Now you have to do it in a place where you can actually, with your finger, you've got to be able to draw a line in the sand or the dirt. You with me? Mm-hmm. So you hold the chicken down, and the chicken is looking straight ahead. Now, if you just release the chicken, the chicken's going to just jump up and just 
scoot away and scratches some more earth. Okay? Yeah. But no, you hold the chicken down. You make sure that it's looking straight ahead. I don't know how you make sure that it's looking straight ahead. I don't even know where the chickens blink. But you, from its beak, so the beak's touching the ground, you then draw a line. You, you sort of cut a furrow with one finger about, oh, let's say, half a metre. Yeah. You with me? Mm-hmm. And you sort of draw this line away. And guess what happens? You release the chicken and it's, it's hypnotised. It just lies there. Isn't that incredible? Huh. I don't quite understand the science behind it. So if ever you... And maybe you could try it with um, with a bigger, a bigger bird. For example, an emu. Uh, you'd have to sort of wrestle the emu to the ground. Mm. Can you imagine how, um, imagine how painful it would be to get an egg that size out of you? Oof. They are big eggs. Yeah. They yeah. clearly just have big cloacas. Big bum holes. The person hey, that Dave. came up... The person... Yeah. I, th- I, gonna- <laughs> I, I, I have to, I have to go. Not because of the Paul, Paul, talk, Paul. Which I, yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, go. No, but we need to give a shout out. Oh I'm yeah, an, sure, uh, go. We've, we've, because this is your lovely sister Anne, who, who's as we, golly, she's en route to New York now, but she's got a friend of hers who works in San Francisco. Yep. We rarely do a shout out, but his name's Lewis. Lewis from Paul and myself. Hello. Hello, you are a hardcore fan of Loose Units. We're talking hardcore fan. And we'd, we'd love to... Paul, wouldn't it be great to do a live show in America? Oh my God, San Fran's one of my dream locations. I think the next American city I'll be in is probably New York. So if you have any listeners in New York, please hit me up and I'm happy to come by, sign books, take photos, kiss babies, it'll be great. But a live show in New York would be a goddamn treat. Dad, I'm currently running off to see a friend of mine um, who has just run won a major uh, broadcasting award, and I want to go surprise her and congratulate her. But um, Melbourne weather is just absolutely ruining my day, so I'm going to get suited up and head off. But listeners, what a goddamn treat. I swear to God, hanging out with you all each week is just the absolute highlight of, of our week, and we, we really, really love hanging out. So thank you so much for joining us for yet another episode of Loose Units, Loose Ends. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody, and we will see you all first thing next week for more Loose Units. Bye, everyone. And cheerio from me. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.